Welcome to School Mental Health Works, a quick dip monthly podcast presenting dialogue on school mental health in Wisconsin. Our mission is to share the successes and challenges experienced by a range of partners in Wisconsin as communities continue to collaborate and show that school mental health works. This series is a product of the Coalition for Expanding School Mental Health in Wisconsin, a statewide coalition with the mission to advance and support expanded comprehensive and integrative mental health services within the school setting through school, home, and community partnerships. And today, my name is Julie Hiller, and I am the chair of the Coalition for Expanding School Mental Health, and I come out of Racine Unified School District in Racine, Wisconsin. And today, our topic is a really important topic. It's been a topic across our state in looking at building comprehensive mental health systems and the big question being around how do we continue to sustain the services that we have built. I am very honored to bring in a colleague that I have been personally collaborating with across the state, um, Steve Goldberg, who is an executive director of the WEA Members Benefit Foundation, and I am going to say content expert on philanthropic efforts and really want to engage you in a great conversation just around how we can do things differently in fund development. And it's one of those things that as I started coming out of my background being healthcare, coming into the education system, it's really not a strength of educators to ask local foundations and, and business foundations for money. That's not our strength. And so I want to kind of introduce uh, Steve Goldberg today to kind of take us through um, an experience he's had through the state of Wisconsin and really kind of help school districts today learn how they can leverage um, funding um, to sustain their school-based mental health. So, Steve, I just want to, um, first of all, give an introduction in your background um, in the work that you've done in the philanthropy field um, within the state. Well, thanks, Julie. Great to be here. Um, the WEA Member Benefits Foundation, a couple years ago, uh, actually right during COVID, uh, launched an initiative to help school districts secure additional funding from private philanthropy sources, mainly in their own communities, but with a uh, kind of a, a jump starter grant from us to uh, prime the pump for more private funding. And we found that a lot of funders did not have school-based mental health on their radar, um, but they wanted to learn more. They were interested in understanding you know, where to send a check and how much would make a difference and how to evaluate the uh, effectiveness of school-based mental health practices in a particular community. So we offered to be the, the liaison between school districts, you know, specifically their mental health programs, and private funders. Uh, so we started with five pilot school districts, uh, including Appleton, Madison, Racine, Sun Prairie, and Watertown. And during the first phase of this effort, we helped those five school districts raise an additional $1 million from mainly from local sources. And they're using that money to serve about 5,000 additional students. So my job is to kind of be the, the matchmaker, if you will, between school district mental health programs and primarily local sources of funding in the private sector. And I'm having fun doing it. 
Um, one thing I want to talk about is as school districts um, have really learned a lot about supporting comprehensive mental health systems by using braided funding. And when I just want to define that for our listeners today, for those who may not be familiar what braided funding is, um, really we look at, you know, what does the school district offer and, and pay for? And what do we look at for our local environment? So looking at our local foundations, our business foundations, those people that really are interested in supporting, you know, um, our school-based mental health programs within a community setting. But we also look at state. Um, You know, we've had a lot of great movement with some funding coming out of our state budgets, uh, grant opportunities for school-based mental health. Um, really kind of living in that space. And then also looking at, there's always federal opportunities as well. And so when we start to look at just putting that whole picture together for school districts, it can be, it can be confusing. I know that school districts um, really feel a little shaky on just using grant funding. And so, you know, Steve, how do we really start to look at how does this model for your donor funding fit into that braided funding for schools? Well, I think it's, it's a unique component of braided funding. Uh, a lot of braided funding uh, is keyed to a specific project uh, with restrictions and limitations. Uh, that, not that that's a bad thing. And those kinds of specific grants are, are very important. Uh, and some of those grants are uh, very limited in terms of their time frame. It might be one year or two years, and then they go away. So by adding private funding to that, that uh, mosaic, uh, it's possible to get unrestricted funds instead of restricted funds. It's possible to get multi-year funding instead of single-year funding. It's also possible to get funding without having to complete a 40-page grant application. Uh, what we're doing with this initiative is we're telling funders that there's no application process. It's proactive on our part to identify and and vet the school district mental health programs and assure the funders that they can trust the mental health practitioners and coordinators in the school districts to make the right decision about how to use private money. And that funders are not experts in the best way to structure and deliver mental health services to our students. Uh, the school districts are in a much better position to make that decision. So one, I think, unique component of this particular kind of funding is that it can be unrestricted. It can be burden light, where there's a light burden on the school district. And we know that school district mental health coordinators have enough on their plate already without having to complete a 40-page grant application for a $5,000 gift. Um, So those are some of the unique elements of this. Also, what happens with a lot of local funding is it can be long-term if the school district takes advantage of the opportunity to really connect with the funder and make the funder part of the school district's thought process and celebrating milestones and achievements and success stories, uh, being involved in community forums on mental health and so on. So we can talk a little bit later about how a school district can fully engage a private funder, maybe in a way that they can't engage a public funding source. So Steve, in this process, and what I hear you saying is it's a really a change because, you know, we're so used to 
filling out that 40-page application. And, and it takes school districts a lot of time to pull it together and the amount of data that's required and just the amount of time has been a limiter um, for many of our school districts across the state. And so how do you really start to start the process? What you're talking about is trust that school districts know what they're doing. And I love that approach. And it's completely different than our typical fund development. How do school districts start that conversation in just engaging funders in their local community. Can you, can you give us some insight into your experience with that? Well, first of all, the timing is great for what we call trust-based philanthropy. There's a, an upswing in the state of Wisconsin, according to a recent survey from the Wisconsin Philanthropy Network. There's an increase in funder interest and funder commitment to something called trust-based philanthropy, where the funder goes to the recipient, the potential recipient, and says, we really like what you're doing and we'd like to be part of your story. Well, in order for that to happen, the funder needs to understand the story. And school districts have, uh, some of them have done a great job, but a lot of them are, are pretty new to the storytelling process when it comes to sharing a description of their approach to school mental health, their successes, their remaining challenges, uh, and helping people in the community understand that picture. We've seen some school districts, including yours, Racine, and some others where they've uh, become very proactive in helping the community at large really understand what's going on with school mental health. What's the need? You know, the increase in emergency room admissions, for example, for teenagers uh, checking in because of mental health issues and self-harm and suicidal ideation and so on. When funders really clearly get that picture, then they can draw some of their own conclusions and make some uh, decisions that actually strengthen the likelihood of them providing financial support. So my advice to school districts and what we're helping our participating districts do is really outline your story and make sure that story is ready to share. Connect with community groups, whether it's Rotary, uh, be active in the United Way uh, task forces or committees in the mental health and youth areas so that other people who sit on those committees or task forces get to know you. And they, they know that you are part of uh, a school district's approach to student mental health. And your opportunity to share your story will emerge naturally and in the, the nor normal course of events with that United Way committee. I've seen it happen in se several communities already. And I've sat on some of those committees here in, in Dane County's United Way. Um, I also think that it would be important to share as part of your story uh, what's some of your unfinished business? What are some of those projects that are on the back burner? Uh, where are those waiting lists and delays? Uh, what are some barriers, like in the rural school districts, transportation to appointments is a common and significant barrier for student access. So if we, if, we can under, if we can help funders understand that picture without making it look like we are a bended knee begging for support, but we're just sharing our story. If they understand that 
that the school district really gets this, that the school district is competent and skillful and thoughtful and strategic about its approach to student mental health, then the funder is more receptive to the rest of the story, which includes, here's some of our unfinished business, here are things that we, you know, the only thing stopping us from implementing these particular initiatives or tasks is money, and we just wonder if this is a good fit for you, rather than, can you give us some money, which is not going to get the response you want, but after sharing the story and then explaining, uh, we just want to know if this is a good fit for you. Does it fit your philanthropic strategy or agenda? And, you know, one thing I want to say with that, Stephen, and you did mention that Racine Unified was one of the school districts that were in the initial pilot, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the pilot. But one of the big takeaways for me was we're so used to, um, and, you know, kind of going out and looking at, you know, funders, we're always about, we want X amount of dollars versus this approach, which I have, you know, completely embraced is, is this a good fit for you? And I'm not talking about dollars with them. I'm, I'm talking about fit. And for me, that has been one of those aha moments in how we're kind of flipping fund development, even in our community, um, and getting away from, I need $50,000 to do this, to, I'm not telling you what to give me, but is this a really a good fit for you? And I think that has been that moment for at least my workings with you. And I want to share that with uh, people on the podcast because it is different and it really does open a different conversation. And I think that piece was really important to bring out. Yeah. And, and you know, the fit question, Julie, um, is not so much, is this dollar amount a good fit for you? But is this issue of student mental health or school-based mental health, is that a good fit for your approach to philanthropy in our community? And the, uh, the truth is, according to the funders we've worked with, and we've worked with a lot of them, both nationally and locally, uh, that school-based mental health is not on the radar of very many funders. Uh, and they... They say they'd like to support school-based mental health once they're presented with the story, but they don't know how. They don't know where to send the check. They don't know how much money will make a difference, and, and they don't understand how to evaluate or measure results. So that's the part that we can help school districts accomplish. Great. And then the other thing I want to talk a little bit about for our listeners, because I think what you did um, really during the process of working with your initial school districts that you also created an evaluation report, um, and you did partner with the Center of Community Nonprofit Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and create a document um, of your learnings of working with the different school districts across the state in your initial pilot called The Path for Funders. And I just want you to take a moment just to share some key learnings, and then what other opportunities did this report reveal uh, and for our listeners out there, we are going to uh, attach it to the notes of our podcast so you can see the full report. But uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, and so I just want to spend a few minutes kind of just exploring that report that, uh, that was created. Yeah, thanks, Julie. Um, we engaged the UW Center for Community and Nonprofit Studies here at Madison to help us um, evaluate the pilot phase of this funding initiative and to help us refine and improve it and also identify some best practices. And they came up with a 16-page report, very readable, very accessible, 
And as Julie said, it'll be uh, provided uh, to uh, listeners through a, a link on, on the website. But they interviewed the school districts, they interviewed the funders, and they introduced some of our, or they interviewed some of our co- um, strategic partners, such as the coalition, such as DPI, and so on. And they found that a couple things were shared by the uh, school districts. One was that the participating school districts were able to document increases in student and family access to mental health services by reducing the barriers of cost, time, and transportation. Uh, The districts also said that the students they served have become more engaged in school activities and classes, and they reported positive feedback uh, from students, parents, and staff as well. The participating districts said that they appreciated the customized fundraising guidance that we provided, and I know that's the case with Racine and really with all the uh, participating districts, and that this has helped them get more engaged with local funders, which is one of the purposes of this approach, is to equip school districts to approach uh, and connect with local funders so that they can continue the funding and make it sustainable. Uh, And that's especially important when it's part of the, uh, the braided funding picture. Um, in addition, the school districts said that, that now they are building district-based teams to support more funder outreach in the future. So when you talk about sustainability, it's pretty encouraging to hear the school districts saying that after the first couple years of the pilot. Um, we talked to uh, funders, and they said they appreciated our help in vetting and connecting with the school district mental health programs and helping this, the funders understand you know, the picture. What is a funding cliff, for example? What is multi-tiered uh, programming for mental health? And uh, what's a, a student assessment process for mental health, uh, environmental insight, et cetera? Uh, and funders uh, also told us, as I mentioned, that this had not been on the radar before, and now it is. Uh, and they say that they enjoy participating in a statewide uh, initiative. So one conclusion from the report was that the pilot has demonstrated growth and promise, and the member benefits, they told us that they thought our foundation is well positioned to continue and expand the effort and involve more school districts and more funders. Uh, one other thing that... <clears throat> The evaluation revealed and that our our users group participants told us and every month we hold a a meeting of people like Julie and people and her counterparts from the other participating school districts just to share best practices and do a little troubleshooting and problem solving together and one conclusion that we reached is that in the funding process it's essential for the school district to engage its superintendent as the face of funder outreach so it's not just coming from the mental health coordinators who really have no experience in raising money. Uh, They can write grants, they can tell stories. So we've been positioning the mental health experts in the school district as storytellers, but sometimes the superintendent can open a door with a local funder because of a prior relationship and the superintendent's role in the community. And I think that's a key learning, and I'm glad you brought that out. Um, As you start to look at this approach, it really is a multi-pronged person approach out of the school district. And I love how you kind of look at who can open doors to that conversation. 
And so that piece was a great learning that having your superintendent really be involved in this process is also a key learning. So I'm glad you brought that out for our listeners today. So in all of this, um, which is a great program and a lot of great fund development has been occurring. So if I'm a school district out there listening today, and this is my first, I'm kind of tapping in a little bit. I love what I'm hearing. What are some initial steps that a school district can do just to even map out some potential funders in their community? What, what kind of advice or guidance um, would you say for school districts? We haven't really done a lot of work in the fund funder world. What can mm-hmm. they do to start? Well, again, first, as I said before, they need to have their, their story. They need to, they, that, that is uh, a must-have step. Um, once they've got their story and they have an inventory of their projects and initiatives and they know the remaining challenges and opportunities and so on, then they can start identifying local funders who already have um, an instinct, maybe an appetite for this kind of, of uh, funding. I always like to start with the local United Way and the local com- community foundation and find out who's funding what through those two organizations. Because generally the community foundations and the United Ways uh, of Wisconsin um, have a focus on health and or mental health and or K-12 education. So somewhere in that, that picture, I always find clues of funders who might be receptive to this message, to this story. I also find people within the United Way and or the Community Foundation who have an interest in reinforcing that message and reinforcing that story. It doesn't mean that the Community Foundation and the United Way will offer additional money. Uh, They're already, in many cases, supporting those initiatives anyhow. But they can be great catalysts and conveners of local funders who might have an interest in hearing the story. We're starting to do that with some of our communities, is engage the Community Foundation and our United Way in convening funders, including donor, advo- donor advised fund holders at the Community Foundation, who might have an interest in hearing the story. So that's the kind of outreach that I think a school district can start with. Another thing that we haven't explored too much, but it just seems intuitively uh, obvious to me, and that is going through the business manager of the school district. Because in many cases, the business manager has established relationships with local businesses. They might be vendors or business partners of the school district, uh, and they may have a a philanthropic arm. Uh, And that's another reason for the superintendent to get involved, because if the superintendent is active in Rotary or the Chamber of Commerce, etc. cetera, uh, he or she is usually in a position to open a few doors and connect a few, a few dots. Awesome. And that is great um, information for school districts and great advice. I love that. Um, Steve, anything else that you want to share with school districts today um, that we haven't talked about in just in terms of the work that you're doing at WEA Member Benefits Foundation? Are things that school districts may want to know about um, as they start this journey of sustainability? One thing that uh, occurs to me is that um, school district mental health specialists can position the school district as a thought leader in the area of 
youth mental health. And in many communities where I've been working, uh, and by the way, we just added Wausau uh, School District uh, as our sixth participating, and we're, at, we're going to be adding um, Stevens Point and Green Bay shortly, uh, some serious discussions going on there. Uh, and we're looking for some rural districts and others that w where we can bring this program. What I'm hopeful is, uh, about is that if a school district can position itself as a thought leader about mental health in that community, that will lead to fundraising. That will lead to financial support. But you need to position your expertise first, your competencies and skills and successes, and then what's unfinished for the community. So it's, you're not being selfish about your own budget or about the school district itself. You're being very unselfish about wanting to improve the well-being of students and, and the community in terms of mental health. So presentations at Rotary, not about the funding that you need, but about, you know, the, you know, speaking of need, the need for uh, mental health support and how the school district and others are really filling that, that need already. And a lot of business leaders don't understand that yet. They don't understand what the y YRBS survey is revealing. They don't understand the increase in emergency room admissions for mental health issues. They don't understand that at least 20% of all students have, have mental or behavioral health issues, and it spiked to 60% for high school students uh, at the height of COVID. And a lot of people don't know that. So as a thought leader, you can share that insight with people very unselfishly and very effectively. So that's what I'd like to see school districts doing. And I know they've already got a lot on their plate. But heck, it's fun to make a presentation to a room full of 100 business leaders and helping them understand the story. You know, and I think that's a, it's a great point to bring up because um, in looking at sustainability, I think that, you know, as we start to look at budgets and school districts are really struggling with kind of end of the year COVID funding is starting to move away that here's another program that we can escalate in to help kind of replace the loss of funding that school districts are receiving. So I love that piece of really, you know, we have the data and now we just take it one step further and let's tell our story and pull it together so our community understands the needs of our kids um, in the school setting. So I really appreciate that. Um, Steve, um, one thing I do want to talk about, because you brought up a lot of great things in this podcast today, and it really changes fund development for school districts. It also gets us uh, school districts a little bit more comfortable going out and asking for money. So I do have a question. Um, you have a, a wealth of knowledge. You have spent a lifetime in fund development and philanthropic efforts. Um, how can you help school districts leverage funded relationships and engagement in their local community. What, what can you offer school districts too if they just really just need that extra coaching or support? Well, I'm happy to provide coaching and guidance, uh, no cost, no obligation. Um, we can't provide the funding for every school district. There are 421 of them in the state of Wisconsin. Um, but we can provide some guidance and some tips and best practices. We can also put them in touch with school, school districts <clears throat> that have done this fund development and funder outreach successfully. Uh, our users group members are, are more than happy to answer questions from other school districts, and so am I. Uh, there's one school district I'm working with where we're, we are not in a position to provide funding for them, but we are in a position to provi provide guidance and to open a few doors and make a few calls on their behalf. 
help them tell their story, help them outline their story effectively. Uh, we helped one school district secure a $100,000 grant um, by telling their story, not asking for the money, but just telling their story to the funder who had expressed an interest uh, in helping that school district. Um, my philosophy is sometimes you can raise more money by not trying to raise the money, but just by telling uh, your story. So I'm happy to work with with school districts one-on-one uh, -on -one and uh, see how we can uh, assist them in uh, making this happen. Awesome. And, and Steve, any, any final comments um, as we come to a close of, of our time together today? I think this has been such an informative podcast um, and it really gets um, school districts to think about sustainability different because I think that is the question on the table these days as I move across the state through the work that we're doing in the Coalition for Expanding School Mental Health in Wisconsin. It certainly is top of mind of most school districts right now. And instead of le leveraging, like, how are we going to replace funding, it really becomes another let's tell our story and look at fund development in a different way. And so I, I've kind of appreciated that. Yeah, so I, I guess I'd wrap up by saying to sustain the funding, you need to sustain the relationship with the funder. And that means inviting them to some of your events. That means participating in their events, getting invited to their corporate table at a fundraiser for another organization, uh, and just keeping them informed about your progress, celebrating with them the impact of their money, uh, another favorite phrase of mine is, because of you, we are now able to serve 150 more students than we were able to serve before. Or because of you, we have a website now that lists mental health resources for families, kids, and staff. So celebrate your achievements, celebrate the way and, and help them understand the way that their money is making a difference and their likelihood then of extending and renewing that support is much stronger. And I love that. And I hope that our listeners found this to be a really informative podcast. And I want to thank Steve Goldberg um, today for being our, our guest speaker on this topic. And again, um, he's offering support. So again, that will all be in the link in the show notes and how to reach out. Also, the coalition does have monthly um, consultation um, sessions that are virtual. So if you do are also interested in learning more about the work of the coalition or have questions about comprehensive mental health systems, that is also a great resource that is located on our coalition website, which you will find in our, our notes of this podcast. So with that, um, keep working at School Mental Health because School Mental Health works. Looking forward to future episodes? Make sure to subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a rating so that others invested in better mental health for Wisconsin students can find us. We welcome your questions. You can reach us and find resources and learn more by checking out today's show notes and by visiting the coalition's website at schoolmentalhealthwisconsin.org. Until next time.